Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. We are so expectant for today, as we share the direction for Edge Church for 2023. Enjoy listening to the sermon. You know, we're in our second week of our series, The Holy Bible. And uh, I thank God for those people that signed up last week and joined on Thursday. You know, it's really encouraging to be able to see that. You know, uh, there's a story of this young guy, uh, you know, Johnny. Johnny was uh, dropped off at uh, uh, Sunday school because the parents never went to church. I'll drop him off. And then that particular Sunday, they were looking at the story of the Israelites. You know, is they away, running away from, um, from Egypt, you know, from this terrible guy, you know, Pharaoh. And as they were running, uh, you know, uh, God did other things, as you know. So then later on, the mother came to pick little Johnny up, uh, you know, from, from, from Sunday school. And she says, okay, so what did you learn today? And says, oh, mommy, uh, with this dude called Moses. He had a whole bunch of people with him. And they were running away from this evil, 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 evil guy. And as they were running away, they came across a huge river that was flooded. And there was no ways for them to go through. So what uh, this dude Moses then did, he just took out his iPhone and then started phoning his friends on the other side. <laughs> and his mother just like, I, don't, I know I don't go to church, but I don't think that's in the Bible. Then little Johnny then looked straight in the eyes of the mother and said, Mom, if I tell you exactly what the Sunday school said, you will never believe it. (laughs) You know, last week, uh, Pastor Daniel ended the service in a different way by teaching us a memory verse. So for those that were in the service last week, you know, I I got something for you this morning. I need to see whether you still remember from last week, (laughs) right? But I'll give you a clue first. I'll give you a clue. It's Psalm 119 verse 105. So I've given you the clue. I'm not going to give you more than that. Right? I'm going to count one to three. For those that are not in church uh, last week, you can just listen to the, whether the guy next to you or lady next to is going to say it properly. All right, if you know the scripture. Okay, one, two, three. Let's say it. Okay, let's say with a bit more conviction, as if we believe what, we, what you're saying. Okay, one, two, three. Right. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. You know, memorize God's word. It's not just an activity that we do. Because when you and I memorize God's word, we, we you know, become like what, the, what David said. David says, your word have I hidden in, your, in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Right? So can I encourage you to do that? And I just find time to, just encourage, to memorize even just one scripture a week. You know? You, you, you'll be amazed what God is going to do through you. But you know that in the, in the olden days, it was actually illegal for you to translate the Bible into any other language except Latin. I'm not sure whether Latin, Latins were more closer to God. I've got no idea. But, you know, that's what happened. But in the, in, the, in the 14th century, 
John Wycliffe, decided to actually translate the whole Bible into English. So he did that. So you and I, you know, we should be grateful to what he did. Because we have the Bible at least in a language that you and I can understand. But you know what? 43 years after his death, 43 years after his death, the Roman Catholic Church decided, I'm not sure whether the men upstairs, the Pope, I don't know how they decided that. But they actually go dig him up. So they dug John Wycliffe's remains. And then they, they bent the remains for the sin of translating the Bible into English. As if the burning was not enough, they took the ashes and threw them in the river. The Bible has always faced opposition. Always faces opposition. Even now, it continues to face enormous opposition. Even at times from, from people that call themselves believers. You know? It's, it's shocking at times what is out there. It's shocking what is out there. But God will deal with those people. It's not for, for me to judge. God will deal with those people one way or the other. Because it is word. The scripture that I want to to start with this morning is Colossians 3, verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You know, when you and I are intentional about getting the word of God in us. God does something through us. When you and I encounter God's word, we never remain the same. We never remain the same. Because his word is our life. You might be sitting there and say, Tony, so what's so unique about, about the Bible? I'm going to just give you five, five reasons why I believe that the Bible is, is unique. Just five reasons. Just five reasons. And five fingers makes sense. Right? The first thing is the Bible was written in three different continents. Right? Asia, in Israel, also in Europe. But you know what? It was also written in Africa. It was written in Africa as well. We are going to our print on this Bible. You know, growing up as a young black man, I was taught that this was foreign to Africa. This was a Western thing. But I want to say to you this morning, if you hear such kind of narratives around you, please silence that. Silence that with everything that you got. And remind them that it's not from America. It's not from America. It was also written here in the motherland. So this word of God is not foreign to our motherland, to Africa. You know, I'm, I really feel proud to be able to say that. You know, it's incredible. And then the second reason, Pastor Daniel spoke about it last, uh, last Sunday. 
you know, he mentioned that, uh, you know, it's, it's 66 books. I think all of us have, you know, uh, that way in the service. I remember that well. But written by over 40 different writers over a period of 1,600 years. And the amazing thing, there is no contradiction in their writing. There's no contradiction whatsoever. Although people out there might try to tell us otherwise. You have people like poets who wrote the Bible. You had prophets. Some prophets wrote the Bible. You know, we had some soldiers who wrote the Bible. Shepherds, you know, also had hands in God's word. You had historians. And then also had fishermen. You know, fishermen. Fishermen have got a unique way of speaking, huh? But God has got a unique way of working through those fisher, fishermen. He does. We even have doctors. You know, the book of Luke. Remember Dr. Luke? <laughs> was a doctor. Book of Acts. It's him again. Right? So you've got all these kind of people from a diverse backgrounds that rot, but they all rot in unity. And the third thing that... Uh, that makes the Bible unique is that although there are so many writers, although there are so many writers, there is only one author, and that author is God. There is only one author. That author is God. And 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, is a scripture that I believe that we need to be able to just memorize as a we're going to do it now, you know. Um, but we need to find time to be able to memorize the scripture because it says, all scripture, all scripture, all scripture is God breathed. You see, this scripture is very important for us as believers. When other people come and try to argue with us from different perspectives, at times all we have to say without arguing with the people is be able to say, all scripture is God breath and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that so that the servant of God may be thoroughly thoroughly equipped for, for every good work you see imagine yourself like you're writing an examination you know maybe your bar exam or chartered accountant examination or even metric Imagine entering the examination room when you are thoroughly equipped. You know exactly your subject. You're not going to be intimidated by what's going to come from the, from the examination pad. You're going to look at those questions and going to smile because you know. So the same thing has happened for us as believers. God has given us this unique tool at our disposal. To be able to speak into the different situations that we find ourselves. Isn't God good? Isn't God good, people? The fourth reason why I believe that the Bible is unique is that it answers five life's pressing questions. You know? These questions you might have if you have not started asking those questions yet, come and talk to me. Because I, I bet you you'll have 
ask one of those questions. The first question that people struggle with is, who is God? Who is God? People want to know. Is there a supreme human being up there? And people also want to know, what is, what is man? <laughs> who are you? I mean, who are you? Your identity. Who are you? We live in a world that is messing up people's identity. But God's word is able to, to bring that into perspective. That's the question that people wrestle with. Why am I here? What's your purpose in life? What's your purpose? The Bible answers all those questions. And then the one I like the most is, it says, what's wrong with the world and with people? You know, look at some of the things that are happening around the world. Even, even here in South Africa. Some of the things that happen, you, you just find yourself holding your head in shock and in horror. And you ask yourself, what is wrong with this world? What is wrong with people? The word of God has answers to that. And then the last question, how can this be made right? There's an answer. God provides the answer through his word. But you see, you and I are not able to get those answers if we're not engaging with his word. So let, let me encourage you to be able to engage with God's word. And the, the fourth reason why I believe the Bible is unique. It only has one subject. Only one subject. And that subject is Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ points us back to God. Points us back to his father. John 5, verse 39 to 40, we, we read that, Pastor Daniel read that uh, last week. And I just love to just be able to highlight that again. He says, you, this is Jesus Christ speaking to the religious leaders. And this is what he says to them. You study the scriptures so diligently, so diligently, because you think that in them we have eternal life. I'd like to put a I think there's probably something else that Jesus said. Maybe, did you know? He probably said something like, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you're going to find your eternal life. Da! 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 Jesus goes on to say, these very scriptures... These very scriptures that they were reading, they testify about me. Yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. Yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. You know, I'm not sure how the religious leaders responded after that. Because I think Jesus silenced them by pointing them back to himself. There's a story of a, a guy who was the general secretary of a Bible society in Zimbabwe called Mr. Kambarani. And one day they went out to go hand out Bibles, you know, uh, New Testament Bibles. They were handing out. And then, you know, before long, he came across a guy that was not willing to accept the Bible. You know, some people just refuse gifts, huh? 
You want people that, you know, see some of those people? You want to just give something for free, you know? Um, so this guy was refusing, refusing, refusing. Then he says to, to try to discourage Mr. Cumberland. He says, well, if you give the Bible to me, I'm just going to use the paper to, to smoke my cigarettes. Because it's good paper. You're not going to, nice joint and, uh, you know, I can smoke with that. It's brilliant. <laughs> Thinking that Mr. Cumberland is just going to walk away. You know, but Mr. Cameron did not walk away. Mr. Cameron says, well, you know what? Just on one condition. Can I ask you, before you use that page to smoke, can you read that page first? Just read that page. And then you can smoke it. That's okay. Then they agreed, then he gave him the Bible. Years later, these guys met at a Christian, uh, you know, uh, conference. And this guy stood up. The guy was given the Bible to give a testimony. And he said, that man gave me a Bible. And he gave me a Bible. You know, I, I smoked myself through Matthew. I smoked Mark. <laughs> I finished Mark. I went to Luke. I smoked all of, of, of Luke. <laughs> then he said, when I got to John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave the Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I could not smoke it. I could not smoke it. Because God got hold of me. And my life was trans transformed. You see, Jesus is the subject that is in the Bible. And when you and I read God's word, we're going to have these divine encounters with him. And when Jesus gets hold of you, you will know it. And those around you will know it. At times you don't have to tell people that you're a Christian. Huh? You don't have to. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to. So just the aroma should just spread. Just spread among everybody. You know, the Bible's got a, quite a big book. Huh? It's a big book. And, you know, I was taught some years ago that... Uh, you know, it's, it's done in a chronological way, you know. It runs from Genesis right up to, to Revelation, you know. I want to say to you, you know, that's a lie. It doesn't operate that way. So if you believe that, please just put that aside. The Bible is not organized chronolog chronologically. You know, English is a bit of a challenge for some of us, right? <laughs> but it's, it's actually organized in books. And I hope this is going to help you. In your own engagement with God's word. This is not just information that we're trying to just pump at you. Just information and information. Just be able to help you to be able to have a deep understanding. How to engage with God's word. So you've got the, the law books. So the five books in, uh, that we have from Genesis right up to Deuteronomy. Um, you know, you've got the creation in there. And then you have the laws being given by God in there. Then you have the history books. There's 12 books. Joshua, that young man Joshua that God called and, and did amazing stuff through. Right up to Esther. You know, we then see ladies as well featuring in, the, in, the, in, 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 in God's word because God affirms and sees us all as equals. Then you have the poetry books from Job. You know, Job was just an innocent guy doing his, minding his own business when God and Satan had a discussion. And God says, have you considered my servant, Job? And some of us know what then happened to Job. You know, incredible stuff happened to him. 
Look about suffering. Go there. Job is going to speak to you. So you got Job right up to uh, Song of uh, Solomon. A song of some, some people say. Um, you know, for those that are still looking for your pickup lines, pickup lines, the Bible gives those to you for free, huh? They are very good ones. They are very good ones. And some of them you can't read in front of your children. <laughs> then you have the, 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 the book of the prophets, the 17 of them. You have the major and the minor prophets. The, the, the difference between the two is not the size of the prophet, right? It's just the length of the book, right? Just the length of the book. So you have the five that are, that are that longer, that is from Isaiah to, to Daniel. And then you have the 12 minor ones, Hosea to Malachi. Other people said Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> well, there. <laughs> but then, after the book of Malachi, there was silence for 400 years. 400 years. It's not that God was not speaking. God continued to speak. Is that people's hearts and minds were not tuned in to God. Then they moved to the New Testament. The four books. That uh, guy, the other guy, you know, smoked three of them. <laughs> you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, these are not... Four different stories about Jesus. These are one story about Jesus told by four eyewitnesses. That's what they are. It's not four different stories, just one story about Jesus Christ with these four guys that, ran, that, that, that uh, wrote it. And then you have the book of Acts, you know, amazing book. And lots of action in terms of the development of, of the church. We are where we are today. Because of the early church. Then you have the Revelation prophecy. That speaks about the last days. And eternity. You know, that's the last book of the Bible. It's always easy to remember. The last book is Revelation. The first book is, is Genesis. But then you say to me, Tony, where, where can I start from? I want to, I want to be able to, to, to engage with this word. Where can I start from? Pastor Daniel gave us some, some really fantastic tools last, last week. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the message and see some of the things that he suggested. Practical stuff. Practical stuff that are going to actually help you in your own faith journey. But what I'm going to do this morning is just going to look at the, the, the three types of Bibles that we have. You know, it's, it's very helpful for us to be able to understand, you know, the translations. So the first one that we, that we have we have what they call the formal equivalence. So the formal equivalence is that took, it was a word for word. So the Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Ara Ara Aramaic. So what these guys did was be able to take word for word from the old, from the, from the old, the original, and then put that in the new so that people can be able to understand. So in that we have Bibles like King James Version. You know, the one I was taught when I became a Christian. That's the only Bible that you should read, you know. <laughs> you can't read anything else, you know. But when I became a Christian, I was given a good news Bible. And, you know, so it took a while for me to read it. Um, 
Then we also have what we call the functional equivalency. So what the difference there, the difference between the first one and the second one, is that functional equivalency, they looked at the thought that was captured in the original. And they, they used that to, to write uh, you know, the, the Bible. So like you have in there the NIV Bible. I mean, most, some people, you know, I love the NIV Bible. It's really great, uh, you know, translation. Uh, NLT, brilliant translation. I love that. You know, that's what I use most of the time. Um, and then also have the good news in there. Um, but then we also have the paraphrase. We have the paraphrase, you know, uh, Bible. So we have this basically what they did was trying to f- find creative ways of expressing something different in a way that resonates with people much quicker. Right? So we have in the, the, the Living Bible. That was written by Kenneth Taylor in 1971. T- Kenneth T- Taylor was not intending to that to be, a, to be distributed widely. You know? He, was, he wrote that Bible for his own children because he wanted to give his children a tool that they can be able to understand. So if you're a parent this morning and you're looking for a Bible that children can be able to understand, I want to strongly recommend the Living Bible. It's easy to read, very easy to read. And then we also have the Message Bible that was written by the late Eugene Peterson, an incredible theologian, incredible thinker that has really left a mark on the church, today's church. And that he wrote the 1993 to 2002, right? So it's a paraphrase. And I'm going to give you a difference so you can be able to see what I mean when we talk about a paraphrase, right? So that we can just look at uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 2. I'm going to first read in the New King James Version. I, I avoided the, the, new, the King James Version because I won't be able to say some of the words, <laughs> Right? It says, though I speak with tongues of men and, and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Let's look at what the NLT says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possess all knowledge, and if I such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'll be nothing. Now let's see what it says in the Message Bible. If I speak with human eloquency and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries, and making everything plain as day, and if I faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I am nothing. Can you see the difference? You know, so can I suggest that when you have your, your divorce, don't just read in just one particular version. Find out what the other versions say. You know, I'm going to encourage you this morning. If you don't have the U version app on your, on your phone, please download that on your phone or on your, on your device. It's, it's really helpful. 
It has really grown me in, my, in terms of how I understand the Bible in a deeper way. And it's free. Free, guys. I love free things. Huh? So please do that. If you don't know where to find your version, please ask a friend. They'll, they'll know. Oh, ask a child. Pastor Bobby says at the front. But what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Spoken quite a lot of stuff this morning. But what does it all mean? You know, there is what we call, there's a mirror image of the Old Testament and the New Testament. In other words, some of the stuff that you read in the Old Testament, you are bound to see them in the New Testament. You know, they mirror each other, right? So I'm going to show you, you know, very shortly as we end our, you know, uh, we're ending soon now. This is how it goes. In the very beginning, in the very beginning, God created man in his own image and put them in the, in the Garden of Eden. That's Adam and Eve. They were righteous people. They were sinless people. They were sinless people. But go to chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 1, of all the animals that God had created, the serpent was more crafty. And he went to Eve and said, did God actually say? And we all know the end of that story. Sin that crept in. Sin was then introduced to righteous people. And God was obviously not happy with Adam and Eve. And then he kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. And a few years later, we then find during the time of Noah, there was so much evil. There was so much evil. That God looked down and says, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just stand and let this evil carry on. God had to judge and destroy the world through the flood. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Noah and his, and his family were saved, together with a whole bunch of other animals. Because God had told him to build an ark that would accommodate all these animals. In the past, people used to say, no, that does not actually exist. But science has now proven that the ark was a reality, not an imagination that you find in the Bible. So that did not work. So the world is destroyed. The next thing that God does is, you know, he then, you know, raises up the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? The holy nation of Israel, the 12 tribes. Because he wanted to use them so that they could be able to point other nations to himself. But because they were sinful people themselves, they were not redeemed people, they were not able to do that. And then you find then God coming up with the plan that he started putting into place in Genesis already. Or bringing Jesus Christ into the picture. So Jesus comes in. Comes into the picture. And then he works with 12 disciples. Can you see the 12 disciples? As a mirror image of the 12 tribes. In, in the Old Testament. And Jesus uses 12 disciples. To be able to be the foundation. Where he built his church. You and I are here today because of those 12 disciples. 
We should be grateful for what, for what the disciples have done. But you see, the world did not change that much. Yes, some of us came to know Christ as Lord and Savior. But the evil continues to prevail. I'm sure when you look around even in South Africa, you say to yourself, wow, the evil that is here is too much. It's senseless. But you see, the God that you and I worship, the God that you and I serve, says one day he's going to come back. He's going to judge this world and he's going to destroy this world as we know it. It's going to happen. And then he's going to deal with the devil once and for all and get rid of sin. And then he's going to have, create a new heaven and a new earth. People, a new heaven and a new earth is not some imaginative thing that we have out there. It's a reality that's going to happen one day where you and I are going to see him face to face. You're going to see him face to face one day. Because God himself will be our God and will be his children. That is the message. That is what it means. You know, I want to, as I end, just encourage you, for you as a believer, just you as a believer. I'm not sure where you are in terms of engagement with God's word. You know? I always love the word engage, God's word. Because I always say, anyone can read God's word. But I love the word engage. It talks about these other things that also have to happen. You know, like things like listening and things like that. Reflecting, you know, journaling. You know, it's engagement. I don't know where you are in your own journey with God's word. But my request from you this morning, my humble request is to ask you to be intentional about your engagement with God's word. To create a habit within yourself that you start reading the word of God at least once a day. I'm not saying go read the whole chapter or the whole Bible in a week. At times, some of us, because you are busy, you can only maybe manage just one verse. Just do that one verse a day. Just do that one verse a day. Because you see, when you and I engage with God's word, the Holy Spirit comes in. He meets us and something happens. He transforms us. He changes the trajectory of our lives. Because he's God. He speaks to us through his word. You know, I can't start the day without engaging with God's word daily. Something that I was taught when I became a Christian, I was taught, you have to get up early. In those, those days, people used to teach that. You get up early in the morning before everybody else and read God's word. And it's a practice that I've kept up to today because I've seen what is done for my life I want to encourage you do that and the second thing you need to find an accountability partner find someone who's going to hold you accountable you know I shared in the, in the first service that uh, our life group last week as we met um, we decided that we want to be accountable in terms of you know reading God's word you know, so we, we're very intentional. So this, this uh, coming Wednesday, 
will have a plan that all of us as men, it's just a group of men, you know, we're going to engage with. We'll be phoning each other. We'll be checking up on each other. We'll be vulnerable with each other because we want to make sure we're not just doing a plan. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's not just about a plan. It's doing that greater works that Christ spoke about. Where he says, you are going to do greater works because I'm going to the Father. You see, when you and I engage with God's word, he's going to do some stuff in our lives. He's going to shift things in our lives. That's going to affect not just us. It's going to affect all the people around us. It's going to affect our community. That's what is going to happen. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that it's going to happen. So let's allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to direct us as we read his word. Because without him, we can't understand. We can't understand at times. But the Holy Spirit reveals the truth. He opens the truth for us. And he opened, you read a scripture and they say, wow, I've read that a million times. But the Holy Spirit comes in and just, just opens your mind. So invite him as you engage with him. Let us pray. I want to also speak to those that maybe you are sitting in here and you're saying, you know what, Tony, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who this God is. I want to encourage you and say, this God is calling you home today. You know, he's, he's waiting for you. He's like, come. John, come. Matthew, come. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to just encourage you. Just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. You have that boldness. If you have, if you have not done that, you know, if you have not done that, I want to encourage you to be able to do that. Okay? Let us pray. If you've lifted your hand or maybe you're too afraid to lift your hand, that's okay. But you can pray after me. Father God, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you that, Father, you do not wait for me to become perfect before you love me. So, Father, this morning, I turn my back on my sin and accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you have prayed that prayer, we'll love to be able to walk this journey with you because this journey is never meant to be walked by yourself. Friends, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is what the Bible is all about. Thank you. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.